Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. conversations that were had before we started this show were uh, they were fantastic maybe one day we'll bring them to the air because they were fun welcome to the phly sixers podcast here on a tuesday alongside kyle newbeck Derek bodner i'm devon Givens with you brianna producing as always we have a lot to get into starting with Zach Levine, once again, his yuck. name pops yuck. up. What's with the yuck? <laughs> Zach Levine. Enough. Many people want Zach Levine, just not us. So we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. We have some time, hopefully, to get into the Ben Simmons talk a little bit later because Joel Embiid discussed them and maybe surprised a few people with his thoughts on his former teammates. We'll get into all of that as we uh, hang out with you on this Tuesday, uh, starting with uh, Derek Bodner. What's up, Derek? How you doing on doing this well. Tuesday, man? It's been man? a long time, no talk. How you doing, Devon? Pretty good. We haven't seen Kyle in a while. Well, you did. You I saw did. him I at saw the game. Yesterday. I haven't seen him since last week, so it's good to see you, man. Right, listen, man, it's nice to be in the studio and not at the Wells Fargo Center. As much as I like going to the games, I feel like I suffer a 0.5% hearing loss every time I go to a game there without loud they have the speakers so luckily now that we can talk on a conversational level I think that'll uh if nothing else, it helps my sanity a little bit. To not Unless have. we bring back the conversation that you really don't want to get into, and that is Zach Levine, because <laughs> the, that has been brought up where it was mentioned in an athletic storyline, an article there with uh, Shams talking about Zach Levine with the Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers being two teams that seem to still have that interest potentially in Expected Zach Levine. suitors Ex- in exactly. air quotes. Yeah, and it, it brings us right back into it, because look, last night when we did the post game show connecting with you from the arena Derek and I here in studio with Brianna and we had a lot of the comments talking about Zach Levine again so many seem pro Zach Levine and since we already know how you feel we know how you feel too Derek uh let's start with you though Kyle your thoughts as potential suitors and the Lakers and the Sixers are the two teams that are constantly brought up as the suitors for Zach Levine what are your thoughts again as it is brought up once again this time in December? So I, I want to be a little careful here and say I think this sentiment applies to not just Zach Levine but potentially someone like OG Ananobi in the future. The Sixers are finally, presumably anyway, at the start of this offseason getting off a contract for Tobias Harris that has hampered their team building for quite a long time, right? Like there's a lot of people – who are just like, get Tobias out of here. He's been a huge roadblock for everything they want to do, so on and so forth. 
Zach Levine is going to be a very similar roadblock. I don't think, and if he was a winning player, he probably would have shown that to us by now, right? And yes, of course, he's been miscast as lead guy or like a 1A, 1B, right, with DeMar DeRozan out there and Vucevic, not my favorite guy to have as a building block either, hasn't been put in the perfect situation. But I am a believer that at some point, especially this deep into a player like Levine's career, he would have shown that he's worth being a building block piece by now if he was one. And if you just look at how things have gone for the Bulls this season, with Zach Levine available, they have been dog shit. With Zach Levine out of the lineup, they have been a pretty good basketball team. Some of that is because Kobe White shooting the hell out of the ball. Maybe it's unsustainable, but they look like a functional team. They look like a team that is at least sort of bought in together. It looks like a real offense from time to time. They're able to get stops. They have guys like Alex Caruso, so on and so forth. And like I, so I said this recently topic was about quarterbacks in the NFL and how I think people have devalued wins. Like I know that's happened with pitchers, but it's also happened with quarterbacks where wins are a team stat and you don't put too much on one guy. I understand all that. There is a point though where a guy is just a fucking loser and I kind of think he's a losing player. I don't think he brings the attention to detail on the defensive side of the ball that you need. I don't think he necessarily scales up well as an offensive hub, as a guy who wants the ball and to a degree needs the ball because when he doesn't get it, the stuff that we like, like Derek has mentioned a lot of times on the show, movement, shooting, the, the skills that you actually want on the team, he stops doing those, and he doesn't engage in them if he's not being given the requisite amount of touches that I think he believes he deserves and needs. And so I think you look at this Sixers team. You see the cohesion that they've played with. You see the buy-in. You see Joel give interviews where he talks about the value of continuity and you know really building something with these guys, loving somebody like Nick Batum, who's just all in on the team, all in on the group, doesn't matter what his role is. I think you look at someone like Zach Levine and say, that guy doesn't fit what they're building here at all. And so to blow that up in the middle of the season, blow your future cap up, give up valuable assets most likely to get this guy, I just don't see it. And I don't understand why this is still a thing other than the Bulls need to try to drum up some interest because they don't want him there anymore. Well, so a couple things off of that. First, why is this still a thing? It's because he's on the market, and both the Bulls and, quite frankly, his his representatives, his agent, want to make it seem like the market for him is very strong. Yeah, uh, and so that's why you will get reporters. Some of them will have closer contracts or contacts to one side of an, a dispute, others to another. We might have a, obviously have a close relationship with the team. They might be talking to the Bulls or the agents. You're going to get different versions of events. None of those sides really have any real interest in being truthful so you're going to get a lot of noise there's a lot of noise this time of year uh, it's always going to be that way but to your point you know you brought up and, and you know you mentioned pitchers and devaluing wins but that's because pitchers only control so much like if they're yes. not getting run support you can't do it when you're a basketball player you control both sides of the floor yes. eventually that talent has to result into something so far this year, they are a negative 4.5 net rating with him on the floor that is in 1,275 possessions they are a negative 0.1 
with him off the floor and a little over a thousand possessions. So they were at four points per one hundred possessions. Pos- Four points per 100 possessions better <laughs> when he is not on the floor in pretty much equal sample size. And that was true last year as well. Uh, they were plus 0.8 with him, plus 2.5 without him. Two years running, they have been better with him on the bench. Now, look, is that perfect? No, it's not even close to being perfect. But at some point, you have to take that talent and do enough of the little things to translate into winning basketball. And he just has so many deficiencies, especially when you start getting, um, when you're an apathetic off ball defender. That tends to show up in these kind of defensive it's plus minus breaking. metrics. Yes. And when you are maybe not fully bought in moving off ball, especially when you're talking about dropping him into a role here with the Sixers who have a primary option, who have, quite frankly, a, a, a legitimate secondary option in Tyrese Maxey, who should have the ball in his hands, you have to be willing to buy into that player and his willingness to buy into the little things, the off ball movement, the engagement when you're not the centerpiece, the defensive attention to detail, the fact that he has continually not been able to find a way to win despite his talent level, I don't know why you would believe in that. And again, it would be one thing if you were just taking a flyer on him. He's got a massive freaking contract. Yes. You can't just be like, this guy has talent. Let's see what he can do here. You have to believe in him being the final piece of a big three. And I just don't know why you would. He's been in the league for seven years. I mean, 10 years now. And as, to your point. A, a decade. To like, your <laughs> point. He, they've only made the playoffs one time during his time with the Chicago Bulls. The Minnesota Timberwolves, they weren't ready yet. And that was the deal, of course, when the trade went down, the Jimmy Butler deal and all that, and he wound up, wound up in in Minnesota, pardon me, in Chicago. But 10 years, one playoff appearance, four games that got swept, done, out of it. To Kyle, Kyle's point, Derek's point, the fact that he's had so much time to show that maybe there's something in there for him to be a winner hasn't been there. It just simply has not been there. And for, as Derek just alluded to, coming into this situation here in Philadelphia, he's going to be the third option. That's just it. We're going to stop it right there. You're going to be the third option. Are you willing to accept that role for what that is and accept that this young guy in Tyrese Maxey is going to be the primary guy next to Joel Embiid, and you're going to have to establish yourself as that third option. You're going to have some big games as that third option where you might be the leading scorer that night. You might have the ball to close out the game and hit a game winner like we saw from Jimmy Butler in the past where he did it twice against Charlotte and against Brooklyn uh, during that time that he was here and that was okay you're going to have that but are you willing to be that player and know that you're going to have to be that player and accept it for what it is we don't know because we haven't seen it enough from afar to know that he is going to accept that role while being a member of the Philadelphia 76ers because he hasn't done that in Chicago it's either him or DeMar DeRozan as the one two Vucevic is your third now you can all make the all-star team but in the end lack of playoff success, lack of of wins during the regular season in general to get into the postseason, that's a big problem. And I I know Derek, when we talked about it last week, when we brought this up briefly, heck, I mean, the Caruso part comes up, sure, that's a different type of role. But when it comes to the type of players, it's like I I would probably prefer to have DeMar DeRozan, especially the fact that he's on a one-year deal. He's on the final year of his deal with the option of being a free agent. That would be easier to deal with than the Zach Levine part. So I don't see it. Of course, it's going to continue to come up until something happens. If they want to have him with the Lakers and you feel like he's going to buy into that scenario much easier because the LeBron James effect, then so be it. But here in Philadelphia, None of us just see it that way. And I want to hit some of the comments here because there's some 
decent to bake on. Q Sims brought up the Bulls were good with Demar, Lonzo, and Levine as a second option. They're pretty good, and yeah. I also think that Lonzo is a very unique player within that group where. He's guarding ones and twos. He's really flexible defensively. He's not a guy who wanted to dominate the ball, or frankly, a guy that a coach or the franchise would want to dominate the ball. He's a connective player and a very good player for that matter. But he's not, Levine is not joining that type of guy here. Levine is joining a team that now has, who I think we probably all believe is the point guard for the foreseeable future in Tyrese Maxey. You have a ball dominant guy in Joel Embiid, and it's, who can you bring in that's going to get theirs off of those two and play off of those two and buy up into that role? And I don't think I've seen that from Levine up to this point. And Jacob also brought up in the chat, you don't think he'd buy into this team. He's been on mediocre teams with mediocre coaches for his entire career. That is the, the guess here. Like if you're trading for him, you're thinking – he just hasn't been in the right situation. And there definitely have been guys historically that for whatever, for one reason or another, get drafted by the wrong team, get traded early, like a different type of example. But Chauncey Billups gets drafted by Boston. He is there less than a season, ends up getting traded and finds his way over time after a really rough start to his career. But that's a sample of like, hey, it was like 50 games or whatever. We're talking about 10 years for Levine in the league. At some point, if he was interested in playing defense and interested in being like a program-defining player, a culture-setting player, that I think would have shown up at some point. And the fact that it hasn't this deep in his career makes me believe, one, it's not going to happen, and two, to Derek's point about the contract – that's a tremendous risk that you have to take that if it's a guy, an ascending player on a rookie contract, something like that, great. A, a max contract into the future player, no thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, look, when people talk about winning players, a lot of that comes down to it's not like one player is a winner, one's a loser. A lot of it comes down to habits, and I just don't believe in his habits. Like you said, if it was a different contract, different situation, if this wasn't your last big swing to find the perfect running mate, sure, maybe I would have a different perspective. I do think he has a talent to fit next to Embiid and, and Maxi. I think he could fit in that role perfectly. Hell, I think he has a talent to defend. He just hasn't really shown any interest in applying that for the entirety of his career. Talent-wise, it's not a question. Buy-in-wise, I'm not sure. Decision-making-wise, I'm not sure. And I have to be sure on those to spend my last trade assets and give him that $45 million per year contract that I think it averages out to over the rest of the duration of his contract. I'm not there. Haven't been there. The rumors can stay here for the next couple of months. I assume they will stay here because there are many interested parties who, who, who it is in their best interest to connect those dots. Uh, I just don't see it. We all know the talent. The talent is undeniable. It's a matter of the want to. When we talk about the want to, the effort, when we speak about players and their defense defense and how they want to do things on the floor, it's the want to. The rebounding, it's the want to. It's the intangibles. The want to. Does he want to do those other things to win? No. And we don't, we don't know that. that or we, we have a belief that we've seen it already where that's not the answer. Now, <laughs> maybe you get to a point where that changes, but the one-two hasn't been there. As you say that, Devon, like uh, to bring in an example, a guy that we've argued about a bunch, like much smaller role player, Marcus Morris, right? Some of his problems now are effort-related, but some of them are also physical Can't limitations yeah. as he gets older. Mm -hmm. And earlier in Marcus's career, 
He's a guy that has played on good defense, was a legit wing stopper at times, a guy that you could throw on. I mean, the example a lot of Sixers fans will remember. He guarded Ben Simmons, who he's given up a lot of weight to him in a series, and dogged him for most of that series in 2018. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a guy that at a point in his career showed, like, I'm about this. I want to take these tough assignments and do things like that and buy into a scheme. And, yeah, sure, like, over the years as he – you got a big contract and gets the payday and all that. That that dwindles a little bit as he gets older. That dwindles, but even a guy like that who I don't love now, don't want really getting minutes in the Sixers rotation as a role player, has shown it. And so, like, I just don't think that you go ten years and all of a sudden you wake up one day and say, "I'm a guy who plays defense." Like that was my difficulty with the Harden yep. trade, right? It's yep. like, yes, he's going to be a great offensive player. He's not going to play defense. And you know that the second that you trade for him. And it's defensive issues not in like a Tyrese Maxey where there are tough matchups. It's defensive issues in that you don't know that the team will hold up because you don't know when he's going to pay attention yeah. when he's on the floor. I want to highlight two comments here from the chat. One from Chris. He says, if we, trade for, if we trade for Levine and he sucks, he'll have a massive deal and horrible trade value 100%. If he comes here to Philadelphia, he doesn't work out, then it would have been, well, he hasn't won anywhere he's been. He went to one good organization. It didn't work out. Look at that massive contract. You're going to get less back for him. Even now, his, his trade value is depressed from where it was over the summer. It, yeah. can, go, it can go down even farther. Similar to Harden thing that yep. we just went, went through. Uh, and then the good fella mentions that it is the same narrative that we said about Kelly. It's actually in a, a perfect comparison because we said at the time, look, we don't believe it in Kelly, but it's on a minimum deal. Why not take a, a chance? We You can go back. And yes. Kelly has played defense at different points of his career. Maybe not consistently, but there's been some effort. Yes, we were not bought in on <laughs> Kelly Oubre. I will not try to change that fact. We were critical of his offensive decision-making. We didn't think he would be a rotational player, but we did say it would be a it was a good risk to take and a fine signing because of what you had to... You didn't have to give up anything in terms of either... You know, cap like money or a trade assets, nothing. It was a minimum contract. Take that risk, sure, and it's worked out. This is the complete polar opposite. This is giving up draft picks. This is giving up a forty-plus million dollar contract for a foreseeable future. It is a very different. I'm less willing to take this risk than I was on Kelly for a very real reason. Like it's just that's a lot of money and a lot of draft picks, and you become very inflexible if this doesn't work out. I have to believe in it, not just take a flyer. But you know what you don't have to take a flyer on, Derek, that What's you can that? rely on each and every day? What's that, Kyle? Hero bread. That's you could true. tell us a little about that, right? That is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. I, so mentioned in the past, I've long been on the lookout for low-carb bread that, that allows me to hit my dietary needs while retaining all the flavor. Recently, I've made that transition to Hero Bread, as not only does it taste great, but they have a wide variety of offerings from sliced bread, tortillas, burger, and hot dog buns, and more delivered directly to your door. Enjoy all the taste without the guilt. The bread is fluffy, delicious, and flavorful, high in fiber and low on net carbs, with fewer, fewer calories than the leading national brand and 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. You can either place a one-off order or set up a subscription so you can get Hero Bread delivered to your door every two weeks, every month, or whatever you need to make sure you're stocked up and ready to go. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fan 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O.co to save 10% today. And guys, as I tell you all the time, if you're looking for tickets to your favorite events, you don't want to be stressed out about how much they cost 
how close to the event you're getting them. The Game Time app is the place to go for last minute tickets because they have killer deals on tickets, their best price guarantee. You don't have to stress over the tickets. You can start getting hype for all the fun you'll have. Listen, I keep saying this just under or just over, I should say, two weeks until Christmas. Hanukkah, I know, has already started. So if you're looking for some last minute tickets, the Game Time app is the place to go. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. There are exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you will always get the best price. You find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for good reason. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account. Use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And maybe that will be the Chicago game next Monday when the Sixers host the Bulls. You can check out DeRozan, Caruso, scout them. Maybe Zach Levine's back. Kobe White doesn't get 30 points in the game as he's going off he right now. He is balling right now. He is now, balling man. right now. He is balling. So let me ask you this because the question came, uh, well, a comment after, after the DeRozan piece that I mentioned, Q Sim says in the chat, DeRozan is so much worse of a fit than Levine. I, here's why I disagree because number one is the, the contract. Number two, on the floor, at least we know when he left and decided to sh- sign with Chicago, he went knowing that Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball were there and he was going to be, as you say, a connective piece. He's already shown that, and he's okay with that. And while he is more of a mid-range killer, he doesn't take the three-point shots like Levine does, which we like to see the Sixers do quite often, he at least knows how to attack, and you know what you're getting as far as a mid-range guy. And he has attempted the threes a little bit more as his years have gone on because that's what the league has become. Not much of a choice there. And playing off of both Embiid and Maxi helps him out for what he likes to do. We don't destroy Tobias Harris for taking the mid-range shots if he's making them, even though he should take the threes with them. But we know DeRozan is somebody who is also capable of taking those last-minute shots, things of that nature. Defensively, it's much of the same, but the effort is probably going to be there. So, Q, that's why I disagree on the DeRozan piece. He may not be a perfect fit, but it's also more of a willingness on his part to be that fit with what he is doing, especially this late in his career, teaming up with two different types of players. And he hasn't played with anybody like Joel Embiid ever in his career, where, in my opinion, that helps out a lot of players when you realize what you're playing with. It really, the big difference is the contract. Like, what you're trading for him and the future commitment, that it's a night and day type of deal. I also think Derek and I have talked about this some over the last few years. At least in DeRozan's case, I think he has changed as a player somewhat in that I think he's a much better playmaker now, more willing playmaker Mm -hmm. than he was early in his career. He went from like a complete black hole when he came into the league to he's a pretty regular five, six assists type guy, secondary playmaker. And look, I, I, I still continue to think that the Sixers need another ball handler of some sort. I don't know what that looks like if it's a... I think Levine is at the high end of that spectrum in terms of like a star level, sub-star level guy, guard, playmaker. You could go all the way down to bench, point guard, backup guard, Tyus Jones types Mm -hmm. that we've talked about on this show. 
throws and fits somewhere in the middle, right? Like he's not a he's not a true star anymore. I wouldn't say he's a star at all at this point, but he's someone that if he buys into like a true six man type of role, he comes in and he's automatically running the offense from the perimeter. You can do a lot of things with him, run and pick and rolls. I don't know how well that works with Joe because they do want to get to those same spots. But it's just it's a less risky proposition. He will cost much less. And that's why I'd have interest in him. Not that I'm like super in on Throsen, but I have much Agreed. more interest in him than I would in uh, Zach Levine. And I also I'm not 100 percent convinced that the Bulls are looking to trade him. I think yeah. it was Michael Scotto reported today that they might just look to trade Levine and keep the rest of their pieces. Uh, I don't think it is as assumed that he will be on the market. Specifically, not if you're trying to get him on the cheap, as it is with uh, with Levine. And as Mike said, they're still in win. They're thinking win now. Still, the Chicago Bulls, which is I guess these last couple of games of winning helps that out and seeing what things look like without Levine on the floor and having Kobe White play this way that is that sustainable going forward for that team and still seeing a place where they can make it maybe into the top six or the play-in tournament whatever it might be to eventually make that postseason push they're still looking in win now mode right now according to what Mike reported a little bit earlier. Uh, and Devon, I'm curious because I feel like which Derek, is wild, by the way. There's no reason that organization should be looking at win now. I had wild. to double back to read that over <laughs> yeah. because their, I wasn't sure. Whole, that's their whole problem, <laughs> right? It's like they're perpetually stuck in that win now mode. So, but Devon, I wanted to ask you because I feel like Derek and I have discussed him a decent amount. I guess where are you on Alex Caruso? Because he's the other guy. My impression from talking to people around the league and certainly people with the Sixers because they've been attached to them from time to time is mm -hmm. that the price is going to be way too high. I guess, what do you think of him generally? And I guess, like, what would you be willing to give up for him if it's, you know, semi-reasonable? I, like I like the player because he knows his role. I like the fit. I like the defensive acumen that he brings to the floor. And one question I do have, because he has been injured a lot and he misses a lot of games, will that, you can't predict if that's going to change if he's in the Sixers uniform. I think it gets a little overvalued. Now, the player that we talk about, whether it's a third level all-star type player that comes in when we talk about Levine and OG Ananobi, those types of players, et cetera. I do like that we are having conversations, though, about these types of players, the lesser type of players that fit with what you need to have an overall roster construction when the, when the playoff uh, roster comes around later on and we know that you, things are going to shrink, but he's going to be in it because he's that type of player that helps out. He'll do the dirty work, which is why we laud right now with what Patrick Beverly does, Nick Batum being mentioned by... Uh, Joel Embiid and the things that he does to help a winning program. I like a Alex Caruso. I don't look at it where he has to be the main and only piece when it comes to the trade deadline because we know things shake up once we get around to that trade deadline where a name is going to pop up that we have not discussed yet. Yeah. And when we maybe get into some other things with some December 15th conversation of players, more yeah. players becoming available and that, that's where I look at it when it comes to Caruso. I like him. 
would not be opposed to him being on this basketball team. What do you have to give up? I don't know. But you've seen where, oh, they're going to need two first-round picks for Alex Caruso. It's like, really? Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> no. Uh, too rich for my blood. Exactly. So uh, I, I'm fine with him as long as you don't have to give up too much, as long as you're not reaching too far to get that player. But I can see him fitting on this team for what he does and helping this team in the postseason. I can. It's funny what you said about Caruso. I like him. I would not be opposed to having him on the roster. That's the exact same thing I said about Kyle over the summer. Oh, <laughs> here he is. <laughs> here he is. Yeah. Wow. He makes no, things work, though. But I think you're right. Like, you got to wait until trade deadline because right now all of the talk is, um, you know, it's going to cost a lot. There's a wide market for There's actually four interested. players we've been talking about for <laughs> a month true. and a half. And That's I've true. been trying and to figure three out Three of some them others. on the Bulls, yeah. <laughs> right. But I think a lot, if he does become available, a lot of teams are going to have interest in him. So I think because of that, all the talk right now is it's going to cost too much. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's get to February, see what the cost actually will be, see what other deals you can have lined up. I would love to have him on the team. Uh, I will go a step uh, above Devon, well, I will say it's not just that I wouldn't mind having him. I would like to have him on the team, which honestly is more what I said about Kyle. I don't want to shortchange him. <laughs> but I want to see what else they can get, what it will actually cost, uh, and what you're getting in addition to Caruso before you commit to that. Because right now, two first-round picks is too rich for my blood. And I do want to say this, too. I want to clarify as, as we stay on the DeRozan piece, or on the Bulls and add to the DeRozan piece as we were talking to Q about this. I'm not saying I want DeRozan on this team, more so the, the Caruso piece fits way, way better and you have to give up much less. I am just simply pointing out that it's more of I would take DeRozan over Levine for the reasons that we laid out. He is not high on, on the list of, of acquisitions. No, not. I, I, we, we can think of some others like OG Ananobi, maybe find some other if we really scour through some rosters, look at these teams that we don't think are going to be in the mix. When it's time to make these deals, he's way down on the list. It's just more of I would have him over Levine if we're talking about the Chicago Bulls uh, making a deal with them. That's where I am. And there's some chatter about floor spacing in the comments. And look, as someone who watched the Ben Simmons Sixers and value spacing quite a bit, I completely sympathize with anyone who is fixated on, well, this guy shoots this percentage from three, all that kind of stuff. I think Kelly Oubre is instructive in that he historically is not percentage-wise a great shooter, right? He's shot well to start this season. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's in the low 30s, I would say. But that hasn't really compromised their spacing at all this year, having him in a regular role. Because one, as we've talked about many times, willing shooter and a guy who is going to step into shots confidently. And, you know, Derek has done some deeper drilling on the numbers at different points when he's open on catch and shoot threes some he hits like 37 ish percent i think for his career which is which is good enough on those type of shots and more importantly even though kelly's not a 40 42 percent whatever type of three-point shooter on top of being respected enough that teams close out on him he's a weapon as a cutter he can pose danger different ways he can beat a guy off a closeout so as much as it would be great, like we think of it because the Sixers have a big man that's like, all right, you have four guys or 40% shooters and Joel just has acres of space in the middle of the floor. That'd be great, but that's not the only way you need to beat teams. And if you only collect guys who are high, high 30s, low 40s outside shooters that are limited dribblers, limited athletes who can't score on cuts, that can be just as dangerous in playoff basketball where – Teams take away what you're best at, and you have to find ways to manufacture scoring. You need diverse offensive players, not guys who are one-trick ponies, as I think the Sixers have learned 
the hard way in the past. And Harrison in the chat bringing up a good point that the issue with DeMar isn't shooting. It's the fact that he's a non-factor off ball. Yes. You look at his, he does not want to catch and shoot. He wants to, like his shots. and he's a, Similar he's to a James. Dec- yeah, and he's a decent enough shooter. It's similar to the problem they're having uh, in with the Clippers right now where you just have too many players who, yes, they can shoot, but they want to isolate, rise up, shoot over you. DeMar's like that too. He doesn't want to catch and shoot off ball. He wants to ISO and try to score that way. Some of that might be in a jump shot, a lot of it in the mid-range, some from three, some of it driving, but that's where he's comfortable getting his shots from right now. Almost two-thirds of his jump shots are coming um, from off the dribble. Yeah. It's just it's a tough fit in that regard. When you can help off of somebody because they don't want to take that catch-and-shoot shot, then it becomes a lot easier to defend and bead and maxi and all the other options. Well, another guy that you brought up when you talked about fit, and we've, we've seen him in the past here in the Sixers uniform, and that was Ben Simmons. And Joel Embiid happened to be on a podcast with Tyrese Maxi. Was it Maxi on the mic? Yes. Maxi on yep. the mic. And he joined his teammate on the podcast talking about uh, a variety of different topics, including Ben Simmons. And, and Kyle, I know you, you had some of the words that, that he mentioned uh, overall. Ben Simmons talking to Joel and B talking about Ben Simmons. And he actually didn't say what I think a lot of people expected him to say, especially <laughs> when he first left. Yeah, they wanted him to dunk on Ben. Yeah, yep. and he did not. He did not. He was pretty complimentary, right, Kyle, about his former he didn't, teammate? He, yeah. he didn't want to dunk on Ben. He just wanted Ben to dunk. Yeah. But do we want to hold that thought until we talk sure. about some overalls and bobbleheads? Do you want to do that now? We can do that right it's now. It's probably about time to right. we can do that. talk about our friends. At- yeah, you used to be able to get a Ben Simmons bobblehead. Foco, <laughs> a leading manufacturer. Maybe it's on sale of sports and entertainment in merchandise with the product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. Best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms are all around. It's football tailgating season, overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. So you see us behind us here, you see us on the other sets, and we got you covered. We got you covered overall. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Puppas is also demanding a Bodner bobblehead. So if one ever happens, <laughs> Puppas, we'll I will make sure I send one overseas to you, I promise. And then we will post it right on the desk. Yeah. Right on the desk. That might be a one-on-one. I don't know. By the <laughs> way, has, have we been paying attention to see if any of us are shrinking? Uh, well, I don't want to I make any not. comments about no. who's low on the, uh, the set right now. <laughs> well, but I'm always the lowest yeah, one on the set. His base level just, starting point was a little high, I suppose. That's not going to change unless I have a higher chair. There's Fair that. enough. Yeah. Okay, so to your point, Joel mm-hmm. was on Tyrese's podcast. This is the general gist of his comments on Ben Simmons. Quote, I've always been one of those people that didn't believe he actually needed a jumper. He was so good. He's just a monster. Almost as fast as you, referring to Tyrese Maxey. I just believe that, you know, if he could find a way to get his free throws to 75, 80%, that would have changed everything. You can talk about this could have happened, the mistakes that have been made during the draft of Mikhail Bridges. But that's just one of the, the many. I think that's the perfect match. I think that's the one that got away. I just hate the fact that the way things happened. And hmm. I will say this. There was clearly no love loss between Ben and Joel when Ben left town for numerous reasons. 
I do think there is an element to this of Joel seeing how things have played out for Ben and not wanting to kick a guy while he's clearly mm-hmm, down. Sure. Like the last mm-hmm. couple of years have been absolutely miserable for Ben. He's still, he's basically on the Markel Fultz timeline right now where it's like, uh, it's indefinite and we'll circle back in a couple of weeks and he's got this nerve thing impacting his back and like say what you want about Joel. He generally knows like, all right, there's probably, there's a limit to the trolling and the trash talk and all that. But I'm sure there is probably a genuine belief in him somewhere that like, yeah, things could have worked out. The where I would say I disagree. It's not that he needed to be a knockdown shooter. It's that he needed to fucking take a shot. It was the you have to actually pretend to take it. You're interested <laughs> in taking a jumper at some point. Like that was the problem. It's yes, the free throw component is obviously the big mental part of it that. That escalated and escalated and escalated until it became, you know, Ben's passing up shots like dunks with Trey Young, the closest defender, in crunch time of a game. And that was the biggest problem at that point. But the lead into it is that teams figured out they don't have to do anything except sit by the rim because not only are you a bad shooter, but we actually really don't know if he's a bad shooter. I watched him enough in shoot-arounds. I think he's probably probably a bad shooter. (laughs) But you don't even know that he's a bad shooter because he was too scared to take a fucking jumper. So, like... It's incomplete. Because he didn't take it. That's the the thing. It's like, yes, I I agree. He didn't need to be Ray Allen to be a high-level offensive player. He probably needed to borrow some, like, DeAnthony Melton, Kelly Oubre mentality as a shooter. Just, like... Screw it. Just let it fly. Come on, man. That was the problem. I think there are probably levels to this, right? And I think now that Joel Embiid is removed from the situation, he can look at it and be like, well, what's the first step? And the first step was him being a competent free throw shooter because it would have changed his mentality so much. And as you've seen, you know, Simmons sort of like regress as a player, his usage rate drop every year he's been in the league, his willingness to attack off the dribble and off of isolation decrease every year he's been in the league. The first step to remedy that is the free throw. And also the free throw is the easiest one that should, it should be the easiest one to develop and it's frustrating that he never has and all of that. I think for Embiid to focus on that, I get it because that was the first step towards fixing Ben Simmons, a basketball player. But if Embiid was living through that every day, even if he was a good free throw shooter, at least like a 70% free throw shooter and attacking, his next point of frustration would have been like, hey, how about you take a fucking jump shot so your defender isn't in my lap? So I think now that he's off the team and Embiid is removed from the situation a little bit, yeah, I think it probably does mean it when he says, like, man, it would have just changed everything if you could have become a good free throw shooter because it's true. But if you were still living with that reality, I think he'd probably focus on a jump shot a little bit more. Let me bring back an old one that I used to say all the time. And I know you guys, you know I said this. and It's very easy, very simple. Aggressive Ben Simmons is the best Ben Simmons. All he needed to be was aggressive. It didn't necessarily have to be in the form of a jump shot. It didn't have to be in the form of a three-pointer. It had to be the form of having the mentality that I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to attack whatever I need to attack that's best for my team, whether that's passing or just getting to the basket, finishing at the rim, like when we saw him hang 42 on Rudy Gobert and talk about how they put a a defensive player on the year and you saw what I did to him yeah. in a podcast interview that he had because he wanted part pardon me a television interview that he had because he wanted to brag about how he could do that without taking the jump shot. We didn't harp on the jump shot 
just to bring this all the way back once again because of the fact that we wanted to harp on the jump shot. It was just, as you said, Derek, not having your defender in lap because you refused to do so. We don't know if you're a good jump shooter. Well, we've seen it. We can assume, but yeah, we don't really know. Hell, I remember being in the gym. I'm in the gym. Other people were not. Derek, I remember seeing you at the door when we saw him taking shoot around in the practice facility with his trainers and his people because they were going around the world. He was hitting every jump shot imaginable in these spots around the perimeter. And all you have to do is take it. But my theory always, of course, was he was afraid to do that in front of a big crowd. He has a problem with that. That's a mental block that he had to get over, that type of thing. Why do you have to take a jump shot? You don't have to. And the free throws were a big part of that. They were a big piece of that. Got into nice discussions with Doc Rivers about the free throws because he wanted him to just not con- be con- too concerned about the jump shot, but certainly make sure that he knocked it down his free throw so he's not afraid of going to the basket and getting fouled and getting to the rim. Also, when you do at least make your free throws or at least have that aggressive mindset, then you are not a defensive problem, which you are very good. I mean, you're a very good defender. You're not now a liability on the floor offensively where you have to come out. And we all remember the Doc Rivers. Why am I going to take him out of the game at the end of the game? He's Ben Simmons. <laughs> well, because he cannot make free throws. And we remember the Scott Brooks. He really does owe an apology to Kevin Kincaid for <laughs> yes, that. Because a week does. later, he took him out of yes, the game. He down the full yes, stretch. he did. Yeah. He took Ben Simmons out because what? Scott Brooks was fouling him at what? What, what mark was that in the fourth quarter? Oh, just that game. Flat, Derek, yeah, I feel like Derek and I talk about that game like once a month. Just like how it was it, insane. <laughs> and, and, and you're right, too. Both of you are right. Where... Joel just didn't want to beat the guy down right now. Mm-hmm. And we saw it also, if you remember, in the game in Brooklyn last year where he was on the team. But he, I don't know if he – I don't think he played in the game. But I remember distinctly after the game there at half court, after all the handshakes and all are done between the two teams, I was in the arena and he's talking to Ben Simmons for a while right there at half court. We hadn't seen that anymore. We didn't see it. And we saw it then. So – it's the thing that's always going to just bother people. He didn't want to knock him while he was down, and we know that at this point. Now, when he says, I didn't want him to take a, a jump shot, that he's lying about <laughs> because he did want him to take jump shots because he would say it. We all there tell him. There was a lot of passive oh, aggression. Yes, it was. <laughs> There's a lot of audio out there of Joel Embiid saying, yeah, we all encourage him to take it. Well, or, how about when or he Joel made it? saying, you know, I don't really want to take threes, but I have but to I, do it for the good of the team. Yeah. <laughs> or when he makes it and you're all in it. Remember, what was it? Was it the game against that national team, the Chinese team? Um, oh, we took the three and they and he, acted like they won the goddamn finals. Yeah. The Long Lions, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he shoves them because he's all excited, just like everyone else, because he actually took and made the three-pointer. Ben's embarrassed because everybody's making a big deal about it. But it's because he took it and made it. So Joel is lying about that. But we've seen a little maturity there in the growth of, I'm not going to just, you know, beat this into the ground right now. And look, I'm very happy that we don't have to sit here and try to talk ourselves into, like, snug pick and rolls anymore. Like, we can move on past that. We can can talk about real pick and rolls. I do do miss what he brought defensively because, quite frankly, they just haven't been the same. And that was Joel's big point, I think, he made on the show. They don't have the same defensive bite that they did. They don't have the same kind of defensive versatility that they did. Uh, 
And I'm glad that I don't have to talk about it because I do feel like every time we talk about Ben Simmons, people bring up, oh, he doesn't care about basketball. I just fundamentally never believe that because a guy who doesn't care about the game of basketball doesn't work that hard defensively and commit himself that much defensively. He just, whatever the mental block was, fear of failure, whatever have you, something strong that, I don't know. I haven't spoken to Ben that in depth about it. Whatever fear of failure he had, he could never get by, and it ruined that along with the back injuries. Really derailed his career. So we have really a couple of super chats, but I want to try to put a bookend on that conversation before we get to those. Here's the thing with Ben that I think we discuss with other players in their own ways. I I never have a problem with guys trying and failing. It is okay to make mistakes if those mistakes are coming from a place of I'm doing what is best for the team I'm making good decisions this is like the right basketball thing to do but why do we harp on the lack of threes or timidness from Tobias Harris as a catch and shoot player it's because he won't shoot them it's not because he can't it's because he won't do it he won't put himself out there in a way that the team needs him to I'm not criticizing Ben because he was a poor free throw shooter or a poor overall shooter. My beef with Ben was that he refused to fall on the sword. It was never a, I'm going to put myself on the line. I'm going to potentially humiliate myself. I'm going to live with growing pains. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that because it's what the team needs now and moving forward. There was never that step to say, I'm bad at this. But my improvement at this, my willingness to try to do this, is a giant piece of the puzzle for this franchise for the next however many years that I play for them. And to me, the reason that's such a problem is because it shows someone who is so concerned with their, their own ego, stability, they don't want to be challenged, like it's the working with his brother or his, his stepbrother mm-hmm. on his shot that he wouldn't go outside of his circle to challenge himself to get better. And I don't have respect, patience, or time for people like that, and neither do professional basketball teams. And that's basically where I come from on that whole thing. And they were highlighted by, I'm an all-star, so, or... And look where you are now, I am what I am, it is what it is. Those types of things. And that's where... To what you're laying out there, that's where the frustration comes. He, I think I heard him say it one time, where he says, "I know I have to, I know I have to shoot it, and I will be better." And then he didn't. He did not. He was challenged on it by his head and coach. And I wish he would have gotten there. Like I don't think any of us have ill will against no. Ben, and he no. was a, in many ways a really unique and talented player. But it, enough was enough. Yeah. I mean, look, I have a face for radio. I'm awkward as hell, but I'm out here facing failure every day. <laughs> yeah, I look like <laughs> trash today. So thank you for everyone for watching us on YouTube for God knows well, what man, reason. You got a face for the camera? <laughs> what are you talking about? Look at that. The people love you. you. The people love you. you. Come on, man. All right, let's get to these super chats and uh, get in on that. One, first start with Harrison G. Thoughts on trading for Terry Rozier? Terry Rozier, of course, of the Charlotte Hornets. We'll see him on Saturday and second night of a back-to-back for the Sixers in Charlotte. LaMelo Ball, I mean, yeah, LaMelo Ball less. And uh, Terry Rozier, how many years now in the league? About nine, ten, yeah. almost? Like nine, so, exactly. Nine, yep. exactly. What are your thoughts, Derek, on Terry Rozier? I mean, look, he's turned himself into a better player than I thought he would be. 
Um, and his three-point shot over the last couple of years has been pretty consistent. I mean, a down year last year, but more or less it has been consistent. He hasn't played real basketball in quite a while, so you don't know how that's going to translate into a team. I'm just not sure he would be the fit alongside of Tyrese Maxey. Um, and I'm honestly not sure what his – how many years does he have left? Is his, his contract's done? Is his final year? What's his contract? No, he's got a couple more years left. Um, I don't love the fit. I don't want to have it. And Terry's a, a pretty good defender for his size. I don't love pairing two six-one point guards together in a backcourt and trying to build around that. And with Terry having three more years left on his contract, uh, I wouldn't. I would think that the, here's the way I, I phrase it a lot. I don't think the Sixers should be the team willing to pay the most for him. Yeah, I, I, like I'm not completely out on him. What would you say the contract was, Derek? Did you? I, I think it was two or three. Hold on. Uh, it is two more years. Two more years at twenty-five per. Oh, at 25 per? No. Yeah, then no thank you. I, so like, It's honestly not a terrible contract. I just don't love the fit. And like yeah. I said, I don't think if he's on the open market, I think somebody else will pay more than what the Sixers should be willing to pay in terms of a trade. So, <laughs> this is a funny one. The final year of the deal in 25-26 is partially guaranteed. So the full dollar amount on the contract for that year is $26.6 million. 24.9 is guaranteed. That's <laughs> I feel like that's pretty rare to yeah. get like the partial guarantee, but it's like hey, you're going to get like 93% right. of it regardless. Um, yeah, so I, to Derek's point, I think he would basically be a pure sixth man. Yeah, right? Like he's yeah. not a – He you can't don't, start. You he can't, can't start, start next him. to – no. He doesn't make sense next to – That's too to, much money for a – Yeah, for and I – A to, six man? Especially when Maxie's playing 38 per night anyway. Like you're going to have – you have to believe in him being able to play alongside of Tyrese Maxie for 20 minutes per night, and I'm just not sure I but see But does he thing. also answer some of your questions if you don't get that Tyus Jones, DeLon, he does. right? I mean – Ball handler-wise. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I would, I would say this about Rozier – has had great three-point volume for yep. most of the last half decade or so. He's been somewhere between seven to eight threes a game. Guy who will get them up, and he's hitting those at 37, 38 in some, on his best season, like 41% from three. He's a guy who's done it in the playoffs. So, you know, in spite of being on a bad team, I think he has generally been a good culture character guy in Charlotte, one of the few that they probably have. <laughs> For a smallish guard that he is, been a relatively efficient player in a bad situation too. I would agree. So and he's this season, I know some of this is because Lamelo's out, he's averaging almost eight assists a game. Like he's a guy who can definitely set other players up. Yeah. So he's got value. Like I, I don't I think if he was on an expiring contract. I don't know that he's top of the list, but he'd be You'd very high for me. Yeah. I, I think he'd be worth, you know, maybe a, a one real and he, asset. And he gives a you-know-what. And when he's out there on the yeah. floor, he yeah. cares. When he signed that contract with Charlotte, I thought that was going to be a disaster. He has been a much better player yeah. than I thought. He's grown, like you mentioned, as a playmaker this year. I think he's doing a lot better. As a shooter, his volume's come up. Uh, he hasn't really hurt his percentages. He's a good defender. I just don't see the fit enough to be willing to... Give him another $50 million guaranteed after this year. And the fit would only be as a reserve. It can't be as a starter because having those two in the backcourt to start just doesn't make sense. He's going to play 30 minutes as a guy who's making that much money. So that's where the problems come in. But I mean, he's been playing a lot more. He's he playing can, close to 40 per night. And he comes here, he probably expects those minutes to stay the same. But, but he's, he's also going to expect to start. Yeah. 
No, I think it would be a tough fit. Yeah, so I, that's where that's where it would be tough. But he does care. He does he does care. And that scary Terry, baby. That you can't teach, of of course. You can't teach that. And then a lot of people jumping in, like Paul Kennedy says, how does he push the needle forward in the chat? Uh, I mean, scoring wise off the bench, he does that, pushing the needle forward. The other ball handler, if you don't get that via another trade, he does that. But the money, that's that's where the problem uh, comes in. Q Sim says he's still um, killing us you know, in that series. It, it gives him nightmares. Look, there's a lot of players who give Sixers fans nightmares over the years, man. It's been a it, the They've playoffs paid, been dark man. and full of terror. They've got Lou paid. Williams, even like a former Sixers player, even. But that series against Atlanta, we also, by the way, oh. we did get another super chat from Puppas who said, "You guys should at least get a beer for having to talk about Ben again." Listen, man, that's <laughs> we get to talk about basketball every day of our lives and get paid to do so. So that's the the sentiment is nice, and as I like to say all the time, Puppas, we appreciate you checking in from overseas. But I think we're done. We're doing okay. Wait, you guys get paid? Oh, uh, sorry. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, buddy, but you're on the outside looking in if, yeah. uh, if you're not. I'm just getting paid. I'm just getting here. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. Not all you... of us got three months vacations to start <laughs> oh, our new jobs. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Great, um, uh, great, great note from Spiral out there. Detroit hasn't won a game since the Sixers traded Harden. Is there, a, is there a 20, any correlation a, there? Is no, there a way we can, just, like, putting six for, degrees of James Harden? It's putting somehow. in perspective how long it's been, the Sixers will play Detroit twice coming up here. You don't want to be on the wrong end of that streak. They better not lose to that team. Yeah. Dude, Monty Williams, by the way, is getting destroyed in, like, every social media platform that exists. He looks he, defeated already. He came out after last night's game. They lost to Indiana. I think they only lost by probably eight or so, Indiana, on that Las Vegas hangover. And he essentially came out after the game and said something to the effect of, you know, I really figured out that we need spacing around these guys. It's like, yeah, no shit, dude. Like, what? What kind of comment is that? I'm trying to think of who they signed in the offseason. Uh, Bogdanovich already was there already from last season. I mean, I feel like Kyle's got Weaves transactions pretty much memorized because he loves picking on him. I, cause I, think, he, right I think he absolutely stinks. And I've said that for, I should say this, uh, Rich Hoffman has also been on that corner with me for quite a long time. If you go, if I were to open up my text thread with Rich, I would say a good 35% of our texts <laughs> are about Troy Weaver and calling them like the fighting weaves or there's like the, they've had a couple toilet bowl games recently where they're playing, they played Memphis who, you know, I'd love to rag on on this show. They had the game against Washington that that was the, the all time toilet bowl. I think Washington won by double digits, which tells you a lot after we watched the Sixers win by 45 points against them last night. So yeah, what was their – I'm looking back at their offseason right now. Oh, they acquired Monty Morris, who has not played because he's been hurt. $9 million contract. They expired. acquired Joe Harris, who I believe he might be hurt now too. He was also he, hurt. He yep. was playing early in the season, but Joe Harris kind of – Two second-round picks, I believe it was, uh, off the top of my yes. head. Two second-round picks. They were acquired in exchange for cash and a trade exception. That's – that's it. About it. I mean, I like Asar yeah. Thompson. I, I, do too. I think he's an interesting that, yeah. player if they're able to put a real team there. Bogdanovich has been hurt. So that's actually going back to the trade conversation earlier. 
Bogdanovich. Glad you brought that back because I was going to try to pivot to Monty Williams' 2002-2003 Sixers run and see if Savon <laughs> has any fond memories from that. But this is probably a little those more relevant. The, yeah. Those were the, the, the uh, T-shirt jerseys, the Iverson okay. jerseys oh, back God. then. Yeah. Monty Williams, number five. Back to one of Kyle's long-running takes that AI can make anything look cool. Including so those jerseys. <laughs> you, shouldn't, you shouldn't base a jersey's appeal based on that. Yeah. No. So Bogdanovich is a guy who, in theory has some value and I'd be semi-interested in. I believe he still has money owed to him after this year. He got an extension. He did get an extension, which, you know, shout out Troy Weaver once again. Want to say three years for Bogdanovich? Another another really prudent move of his. But I think Troy Weaver is going to have to, like, try to save his job. And at that point, he's not trading guys like Bogdanovich. He's going to trade... Maybe Mark. someone who's got actual future value, like a Jaden Ivey, who's been just kind of up and down the in the pitch. rotation or somebody like that, to try to put a real team around Cade and Bogdanovich and Jalen Duran. I just, I don't know what the fuck they're doing there, man. That, that franchise makes no sense to it's me. It's a mess. And they said, we like some of the talent. Asura yeah. Thompson, like Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, the Jaden Ivey thing. I didn't really like, I, I liked him watching him in college, but I didn't know how he translated to the pros. I thought he was a little overrated for what this league is. And I, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens. Maybe he needs to get away from that situation. Don't know. Uh, those, those young guys, though, they, they can play. Yeah, I, I like watching those guys play, but then you have Marvin Bagley sitting in there, and who knows what he is at this point. It's not much. You have Bogdanovich, Alec Burks. You have these veterans that are there. Yeah, okay, you try to keep them, but what? But what? It, it, they, the Killian the, Hayes minutes are just like, that's bad. why? He's starting a lot of nights. He's a bench player. <laughs> that's being generous, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yes, but because of this team, he still shouldn't be starting. If, if, if anything, you should be finding out if you still have anything in Jaden Ivey over Killian Hayes, who they also extended. They gave him an extension on, on his. So uh, the Sixers better not lose to this team. Oh, wait, actually, the yeah, so actually, Bojan doesn't have a lot of money owed to him left. So he's owed $20 million this year, and he only has $2 million guaranteed for next season. $19 million which gets fully guaranteed late June next year. So you, it would you'd be deciding before a free agency, right. essentially. So that's, it's a little more interesting. I just tend to think with where they're at, I don't, they don't strike me as set up to be a seller. I think they're so bad right now, and they're getting so much attention, by the way, that the Spurs have lost 17 games with the <laughs> generational prospect of all time that people are talking about, and nobody gives a shit that they've lost 17 games. And quite frankly, by the way, I love Greg Popovich has earned all his accolades, all that. The Jeremy Sochan at point guard thing is like an active sabotage of the team. Like you want to talk about bad business, doing man. things that are tr- you're trying to lose. If you look at their splits with like Trey Jones on the floor with Wembenyama, bingo. They look like they might be like they're still bad, but they're normal bad. They're not like catastrophic. Maybe bad, not I'm 17 games sure. in a row bad. Where you that's start, what I'm saying. You so start like, the game off with a tone setter a little bit. I think if you. Do some normal-ish things with what they have there in San Antonio. There's a path to being a normal team. So I'm not, I'm not letting you slide, pop, 
and Brett, who I've <laughs> had many conversations with over the years, obviously, you guys are stinking it up and you should be better. I, I'm going to hold you accountable, even though that means absolutely nothing. Try to get another top pick. <laughs> Try to get another one. In a weak draft yeah. this year, but people are saying I, I haven't dived too much into that quite yet. Well, anyway, we're talking about the they, they Spurs all, and Pistons. They all stink. So. Well, the Pistons, rightfully so, because they're coming up, but they all stink right now. They do. Really bad. And the Sixers better not lose to the Pistons better a single not. time. <laughs> better not. Routes. And I mean, routes. In these games, maybe not to the tune of 40 points like we saw last night, but yeah, take these teams down because you should. Uh, Marv is one says, Lowry marketing for Harris, a pick, Danny Ainge, he owes us. Well, I don't know if he owes you because of the Jason Tatum thing. You I got, mean, you got you, fleece. You get Lowry for one pick, maybe you get Mikhail for another pick. Let's just build a super team. We're going to throw it on realistic <laughs> trades. I, listen, I've been banging the, the marking and drum. Not for, for one. You're not getting him for one draft you're pick. You're not getting him for no. probably two draft picks Harris. either, if I had to guess. I, now, I would say this. Utah, I think, is they had a surprisingly good year last year. Now they're legit bad. Uh, they have they've struggled for a lot of this season. So yeah. I, I'm interested to see kind of what the future looks like for them. But I still think, as I keep saying, like it's a joke, but it's not. You have a good white player in Utah. That price is going to be <laughs> astronomical <laughs> to go get. <laughs> but on the Pistons, real fast, Monty looks defeated. I saw him last night in that post game press conference. He looked. He's sitting there rubbing his face. And you know the signs are already there, and it, it's, it, it just looks bad. I mean, I'm sure he understood the assignment million, when he though. took it. He got generational wealth out of it. But when you actually have to live through it, going through all the losing is never, ever, ever easy. And for a guy in money who's obviously had his moments in the playoffs where they've struggled, but who's had a lot of success, been oh, at places that I'll had a lot of up. success. <laughs> Game sorry. five, um, man. I apologize Up by 20. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's very tough. That being said, he's not doing a great job either. I'm not sure he's what not. he could be doing, but, you know. He's not. And he, to that point, Eric, I was... I had some idle time, as you can imagine, in a 45-point Sixers <laughs> win last night. I spent a decent amount of the second half just, like, looking at the bench for the Wizards. It really, like, that was something I think sunk in for me more about the process Sixers and other teams that get close to that level is that, like, that experience of lining up every night and <laughs> knowing you just have no chance yeah. has got to be... I think a lot more demoralizing than I think people realize. Well, I think it was actually interesting listening to um, Joel's appearance on Maxi on the mic and him, them talking about stuff from the process years and including, you know, all the 10 days a year that they had 75 players come through the roster or whatever. I think part of what they did that was smart was if they just cycled through young players who were hungry to have a chance to prove themselves because that kept the energy level and engagement and buy-in up when otherwise if you just kept if you kept a roster of 15 people throughout the entire year and lost every freaking night it would wear on you um so yeah tying that in with sort of how we started the show that would be a tough team to play for if you're an established nba veteran probably why Sixers didn't have all that many veterans at that point in their life cycle someone brought up tony Roten in the chat a little bit earlier and i i breezed by it I didn't want the, I didn't want that flashback because he was my all time yeah, worst. He drove me insane. Worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I called him a hundred miles and running for a reason because he didn't know how to stop. It's like, dude, he's like the dude in Mighty Ducks. Because <laughs> yes. I know we were apparently a hockey podcast this morning, very briefly. So what was that? Uh, 
Luis Mendoza, the Mighty Ducks <laughs> character who couldn't stop. There we go. And that's oh, we satisfied man. our hockey quotient for had today. To ha- had to have your hands ready in the tenth row because that <laughs> ball was coming fast, man. It was on a bullet. Want to point to the out? row. I'll, I'm right there with you. He drove me nuts. I could not say. I think some people found him, you know, entertaining, yeah. which I could certainly understand. But somebody who's looking to watch good basketball, good decision making, and Tony Roten did not go. I liked him as a prospect at Washington. And then he got here. We do have the two-minute warning mentioning that he will be there on Friday. It's probably a good point to point out. That Our we do guy, have, the two-minute warning. We Love do you, have buddy. a couple of there. tickets left for the Wells Fargo Center takeover, uh, which will be Friday against these very Pistons. Come sit with uh, you know Kyle and Devon and I, chat some basketball, have a good meetup, sit down with your fellow Sixers fans. We have that. Go to allphly.com, the events section. Check it out. And Only a couple tickets left, so if you're interested, you better hurry quickly. And do not bring up Tony Roden, because I mean, then we will go off. Fine. Hey, you can, if you're coming to the game you and you want to talk about Tony Roden, yep. that's, that's your call, man. You talk to them about that, because <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> All right, guys, you got right, anything else? Here. You got anything else? Yeah, we, I think uh, that's pretty good. Time to get up out of here? Yeah, I think that's good. Do my uh, my usual shout-outs to everybody on Thank the way God, out. Thank God, I tried to do that yesterday. It did not go well. Listen, man, that's... That's the only reason I'm here is to shout people out. But thank you, as always. Randy, Harrison, Spiral Out, Santiago, Darnell, Two Minute Warning, my guy who we already shouted out, RC, Santiago, is that Mango Gango? That's a new one for me. Paul Kennedy, Marvis One, Hypothetical Man, Elliot, Midday Show, Liam, Cleva. love you guys, Neil. I know Puppus is here somewhere. Maybe he's asleep. He is overseas, so it is later over there. <laughs> Guys, thank you, as I say, each and every day for being with us. It means a great deal to me and the rest of the squad. If you could, on the way out, hit that subscribe button. And if you hit the bell icon, you get notifications each and every time we go live. I would love to see some more thumbs up on this video. Certainly helps us out. Come on, with y'all. YouTube. What are you doing? The more the more thumbs up we get, the better it is for all of us. The better the show gets. I don't know how, but I think it just gets better. Thank you guys as always, and I will see you gentlemen soon. Post game tomorrow. Talk to you. <laughs> 